0: And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all.
1: From Cavalry Audio comes the new true crime podcast, The Shadow Girls. I grew up near the banks of the Green River and in the shadow of the killer, that bears its name. Prosecutors
0: described him as a serial killer savant.
1: But this podcast isn't only about tracking down the killer. It's about the victims.
2: We stayed in the woods. He always
1: liked to go in the woods. Listen to The Shadow Girls on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm Minnie Driver. And on my podcast, Mini Questions, I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers like Blondie vocalist Debbie Harry, journalist and television host Jeremy Clarkson. Editor in chief of InStar Magazine, Laura Brown, and creative juggernaut, Goldie. Join me as we continue this exploration on season two of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Ah! Gal
0: Gadot is speaking out about Joss Whedon's problematic behavior. Seth Rogen will no longer work with James Franco because of his exploitative actions. And we're joined by Ellie Hall for an update on the royal family. It's May 10th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Stephen LeConte. Welcome to Best Feed Daily. Stephen, I was gonna be a good friend and ask you how your weekend was, but I don't care about you anymore because Ben Affleck <laughs> and J-Lo vacationed together for a week in Montana. Casey
3: it is truly wild everything old is new again the 2000s are fully back
0: (laughs) there's a lot of people that are like J-Lo you can do better and I'm like yeah she could do better but is there anyone better and also maybe she doesn't want to do better let her be in Montana with whoever she wants to be in Montana with you know what we're all
3: entitled to our mistakes even (laughs) J-Lo I have to admit, though, I did see it, and my heart kind of sank for Jennifer Garner. I'm like, you have put that poor woman through so much, Mm -hmm. Ben Affleck, and I can't imagine this is going to feel great for her, you know? Yes, in all of
0: this, I support Jennifer Garner.
3: Yeah, me too.
0: (laughs) Okay, so we're starting off today with Gal Gadot confirming reports that Joss Whedon threatened her while shooting Justice League. Gadot, who stars as Wonder Woman in the DC Universe films, told Israeli outlet N12 News that as soon as Whedon stated he would make her look, quote, incredibly stupid in the film, Gadot stood her ground. Gadot said of the situation, quote, what I had with Joss basically is that he kind of threatened my career and said if I did something, he would make my career miserable. I handled it on the spot. Whedon has yet to comment on any of the allegations levied against him. These include claims from Godot's Justice League co-star Ray Fisher that Whedon created a toxic environment on set, and from Buffy the Vampire Slayer star Michelle Trachtenberg, who said Whedon was forbidden from being alone with her.
3: You know, I'm glad that Gal is speaking out about this. I, I do have questions about, like, when we're going to see some accountability here because gal is one of many actors at this point who's worked with him who's said kind of the similar thing that he's a horrible toxic some sort of abusive person to work with and i'm wondering like you know when when are we going to see that affect his actual career the fact that he threatened to make her look stupid on a set and then he was kept on that set i think that's totally unacceptable It's
0: upsetting when any situation like this happens, but then when you have Gal Gadot, who is such like a big name and a big figure like that, and she's still being treated like this, you can't even begin to think about all the people who don't have the fame that she has, you know?
3: Yeah, how many careers along the way did he take out because he actually followed through? How many young actors, and I think specifically like female actors, has he gone after and said, I will make you look stupid, and then he did, you know? Exactly, it's awful. Well, in more... Awful Hollywood news. Great. Uh, It's a fun day, Casey. Seth Rogen said he, quote, very much regrets making an SNL joke about James Franco and young women and that he doesn't plan on working with Franco again. So Rogen, who starred in multiple films with Franco, had pranked, quote unquote, Franco back in 2014 by posing as a 17-year-old girl who DM'd with Franco. When Rogen was asked about Franco's behavior recently, he said, quote, What I can say is that I despise abuse and harassment and I would never cover or conceal the actions of someone doing it or knowingly put someone in a situation where they were around someone like that. Recently, Charlene Yee, who acted alongside Franco in The Disaster Artist, called out Franco's peers, including Rogan, for enabling his bad behavior. She noted, quote, Why aren't any of James Franco's white male, quote, feminist peers holding him accountable for abusing women, then using his power and platform to gaslight them? That behavior stems from allegations that Franco engaged in exploitative actions related to his now-closed Studio 4 acting school. The allegations included Franco storming out of a strip club when two of the actors refused to go topless and coercing women to perform oral sex on him.
0: I want to be careful to not, like, applaud Seth Rogen too much, you know, because this is, like, bare minimum of what you should be doing. But also, we do not see a lot of white men go up against other white men. So there is like, I I do want people to look at this and be like, it can happen. And it's one of these situations where, you know, based on what we see from the outside, they're seemingly very good friends. And so to call out your friend publicly like that, it's necessary, but I get how it can be hard. But again, it's necessary. And he does have that view of like, I feel like people look at him and he is that feminist bro now. So I'm like, okay, you got to put your money where your mouth is.
3: And I agree with that. I think my only question here is like, he can claim that he didn't knowingly put anyone in these situations, but the, the question that I have is, you did this prank where you were DMing pretending to be a 17-year-old girl. I guess the implication being that you knew that Franco would respond to a 17-year-old girl. So I agree with you that uh, he's saying the right things now, and it is way too rare that we hear those right things from uh, straight white men, but I, I do have questions you know?
0: Yeah, a lot of questions. The era, uh, that super bad era that they're all from, that's not a good era.
3: <laughs> yeah, not, not our best.
0: Whew. Okay, so moving on, we've finally got a release date for the mental health-focused docuseries starring Prince Harry and Oprah called The Me You Can't See. It's coming to Apple TV Plus on May 21st after initially being announced back in 2019.
3: Given that Oprah and Harry's last collaboration caused just a little bit of turmoil in the royal family, it's fair to say that everyone is going to be watching this. Joining us now to break it all down is BuzzFeed senior reporter Ellie Hall. Hi Ellie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, always fun. So there's a lot of royal news to cover, but just as it seems like the dust has started to settle a bit from that Oprah interview, Apple TV Plus has announced a premiere date for the series Prince Harry has been working on with Oprah about mental health. So we've known this was happening, but does it seem like in the wake of that interview, this could cause even more friction with the rest of the royal family?
2: It remains to be seen because this is very much a commercial thing. And the only thing that we've seen so far from Harry and Meghan's Spotify and Apple deals are, and Netflix deals, all three of them, is a one episode of a podcast that came out at Christmas. So this is the really their first big foray into their new lives as people who make money, but are also royal, or royal members of the royal family, if not working royals. So I think it's pretty obvious that th- this timeline went from being non-specific to stepped up after the Oprah interview uh, shook the world.
3: Right. So, what do we know about the series so far? And do you think we could see even more personal revelations from Harry come up?
2: I think we definitely could because this is uh, this mental health series interviews lots of different celebrities and it gets into, I believe, Harry's own experience with combat PTSD that led him to found the Invictus Games for wounded veterans. And, you know, Oprah's the interviewer in all of these, and Oprah's a really good interviewer, as we all know.
3: <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, we saw what you did last time and wow, the skill. (laughs) They apparently still have 90 more minutes of footage that they're just holding on to. So we might even see some of that. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
0: So, you know, speaking of some of the other family members, it also seems like we're seeing William and Kate start to move on with other projects. They've announced they're launching their own YouTube channel you know, it really feels like they're putting themselves out there in a way that they haven't before. Do we feel like this is damage control? Are they trying to build a competing brand with Harry and Meghan? What are your thoughts? Well,
2: it's more than that. Will and Kate rebranded last week. Their official Instagram account was Kensington Royal, and it's now the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. Everything has been rebranded to be more personal. It was the same day that they launched their YouTube channel. And they are, you know, doing more Instagram stories. They're doing more Twitter stories. I noticed that for the first time. They had not been doing Twitter stories. There were rumors that were actually substantiated by sources in larger outlets like the Sunday Times in the UK that a crisis management firm had been brought on in the wake of the Oprah interview to sort of remanage the royal social media. But then, of course, after the Oprah interview, we had the death of Prince Philip and that sort of shook everything up. So I think that now that the queen has gone back to doing engagements, business as usual, this is why we are seeing Kate and William sort of step up to the plate more because, you know, what happens after the Oprah interview, it was delayed for a little bit because of everything involving the death of the family's patriarch, but now it's time to start getting back out there and showing the public who they are, what they do, and why they should the royal family should still exist.
3: Well, Ellie, we have a lot more royal news to break down with you, which we're going to do right after the break.
1: At Chief it, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at shefit.com/2022. Hello, I'm Minnie Driver. And on my podcast, Mini Questions, I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers like Blondie vocalist, Debbie Harry, journalist and television host, Jeremy Clarkson, editor-in-chief of instar Magazine, Laura Brown, and creative juggernaut, Goldie. Join me as we continue this exploration on season two of Mini Questions, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
4: What's up guys, I'm Rashad Bilal. And I am Troy Millings, and we are the hosts of the Earn Your Leisure podcast, where we break down business models and examine the latest trends in finance. We hold court and have exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in business, sport and entertainment. From DJ Khaled to Mark Cuban, Rick Ross, and Shaquille O'Neal, I mean, our alumni list is expansive. Listen in as our guests reveal their business models, hardships, and triumphs in their respective fields. The knowledge is in depth, and the questions are always delivered from your standpoint. We want to know what you want to know. We talk to the legends of business, sports, and entertainment about how they got their start, and most importantly, how they make their money. Earn Your Leisure is a college business class mixed with pop culture. Want to learn about the real estate game? Unclear as how the stock market works? We got you. Interested in starting a trucking company or a vending machine business? Not really sure about how taxes or credit work? We got it all covered. The Earn Your Leisure podcast is available now. Listen to Earn Your Leisure on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back.
3: We're talking with Ellie Hall about the drama within the royal family. So listeners may remember, the last time we talked with you, we mentioned that Oprah herself had referenced your piece comparing Meghan's treatment in the press with Kate's in her interview with Harry and Meghan. So you've done another very in-depth comparison. This time you're looking at how the press shifted its coverage of Kate and Meghan after they each got married. What did you find?
2: What I found was that the stories before Kate married into the royal family were abusive in a different way that the press uh, about Meghan was abusive. It's hard for Americans to grasp this, including myself. But the way that classism is still so entrenched in British society, that was the main thing that they used uh, to beat Kate over the head with. That her, you know, her parents were self-made millionaires, but her mother had been a flight attendant. And much like they did with Meghan, they went looking for the black sheep of the family and they found her uncle who was recorded saying that like uh, he was giving cocaine to someone and was bragging about his access to Prince William. So they, they, similar to how they did with Meghan, they went looking for things. But as soon as Kate's engagement was announced, William and the Queen made it very clear to the press that they needed to back off. They're, they even said they wanted to have. Have you guys seen The Crown? Yes. Okay. Well, so Casey, you'll get this. Um, you remember from the, I think it was even the first episode, the queen and Philip after they got married, had like two years in Malta where she was just an officer's wife. Right. William and Kate asked for that same thing from the press. They're like, let us have time to adjust to this new lifestyle before we go all in and start being royals again. And the press changed how it covered Kate in small ways, instead of things that you know, that you would only see things about her work ethic that were being criticized or her hair or her clothing choices. It was all very superficial, whereas with Meghan, even after her marriage, the coverage became she's bossy, she's abusive, she's separating Harry from his family, she made Kate cry. Like, these were very judgment-driven. In the interview, Meghan referred to it as a character assassination. And it really does look like all these stories, which, of course, as all royal stories are published in the UK based on anonymous sources, Palace Insiders, sources close to the couple. They were the same sources in the stories about Kate and in the sources about Meghan, but they were saying very different things.
0: Mm. So, you know, you go on to point out that the press backed off Kate even more after Meghan joined the family. Does it just seem like the side effect of the press having someone new to focus on?
2: Royal reporters often joke on Twitter sometimes about how it's a national soap opera. And on days when there's nothing important to write about, you have to sort of create a story. And British people seem to have the understanding of the relationship with the tabloids in a way that's really weird to Americans, even me. The coverage of Kate shifted after Meghan came on the scene, and especially after she had married into the royal family. It seemed like Kate could almost do no wrong. There were this negative stories about if she was working enough, completely stopped. Instead, all of this focus went into it's called the early years project, but something she's been apparently working on for like three, four years now. All of a sudden, this forgotten project that we couldn't see her doing anything about was front and center. Whereas Megan was criticized for, you know, going on maternity leave or not greeting Trump after she just had her baby when Trump came for a state visit. It wasn't just that the coverage of Kate was good, it was particularly compared to Megan. One of my favorite things in the world, like this is my white whale journalism story. I will find it one day. Harry and Megan were being criticized um, right after Archie was born for taking private jets to go on vacation. And it turns out that like Elton John had even loaned them his jet and then made a donation to an ecology organization uh, to make up for the fuel or something. But like (laughs) a day after Harry Meghan had been like flayed in the press for this. Will and Kate and their kids and their nanny were pictured getting off a budget flight in Scotland like a paparazzi was just there hanging out to get a picture of this family getting off like the equivalent, the UK equivalent of spirit air or something. Mm, damn. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like you see stuff like that and you kind of got to wonder, hmm. right. Exactly.
0: And, you know, a cynical person might think that the press backing off of Will and Kate and focusing on Megan would give them, you know, less than an incentive to speak out and support Megan. Do you think that could have been a factor?
2: it's very hard to sort of figure out what exactly is going on in the palace press behind the walls of the palace and their press offices. That was actually another story I did after Oprah. I looked at thousands of stories about when the palace went on the record and the sort of stories they would go on the record to correct for Kate and the kind of stories they would go on the record to correct for Megan. And again, big differences going on the record to deny that Kate had baby Botox is one of my favorites. Whereas all of these stories that we all know about Megan, you know, being selfish, Megan being abusive, you know, would only get a no comment. So I suggest looking at that piece too, because the kind of journalism I try to do in the Royal family is the stuff that draw your own conclusions. I'm going to look for all the receipts. I'm going to lay all the receipts out in front of you. You may draw your own
3: conclusions. Well, rereading your piece, it really reminded me just how terribly the press actually treated Kate before her own wedding. You know, painting her as a social climber, as you mentioned, digging up all this dirt on her family, and then some, like, really dark stuff like taking upskirt pictures of her getting out of cars. I'm curious, how would you compare the treatment of Kate to the treatment of Princess Diana?
2: I think that something that everyone is probably happy about in the royal family that hasn't been written enough about is that Meghan didn't get the same treatment that Kate did in terms of the constant harassment. And maybe Oprah did get into it in some of the footage that wasn't released because particularly with how the press has played Kate and Meghan against each other, I think there's probably no one happier than Kate that Meghan didn't have to deal with this sort of abuse. Like there's video footage you can see on YouTube of Kate leaving her apartment on her 25th birthday. There are cameras up and down the street And it looks so much like video footage of Diana trying to get away from the press right after her engagement to Prince Charles had just been announced. And they they won't let Kate get into her car. They won't let her drive away. She looks frightened. And I think that despite the fact that there are very obvious differences between Kate and Meghan and the fact that no one wants to acknowledge the racial element is stupid, the royal family did learn from Kate's experiences. And I think that because of how she was treated and how horribly that went, they were more aggressive to protect Megan from at least that physically intrusive and aggressive press that Kate saw so much of.
0: Mm. Yeah, instead she got the emotional treatment. Yeah. You know, you point out that a
3: turning point for Kate may have been when topless photos of her on her honeymoon with Will came out. Did the press just fully back off after that?
2: So here's the fun thing. And that that technically was the press, backing off. That was foreign press. The Royal Family's press team controls the UK press with an iron grip because they control access. So, that's why the topless photos that were taken of her were not printed in any UK newspapers. And in fact, the British Royal Family released their lawyers and got a multi-million dollar judgment from the French photographer who took them and the French and Italian uh, magazines that displayed them. And of course, this is the internet. Like, Obviously, people are going to see it. If you want it to find those pictures, you can still find them. But that was such a, a big invasion that you can see how the press backed off her after that, just even, even in terms of the way they wrote about her on the tour. So like all that came out when they were on their first tour and where soon after that, they announced that she was pregnant with George. So whenever, and also whenever there's a baby coming, all of the news gets positive. Most of the time, like Megan got some of her toughest press. And as we all know now she was suicidal due to the press she got while she was pregnant with Archie.
0: Okay, so speaking of Archie, I wanted to end on this last question. Will and Kate did release a sweet birthday message for Archie a few days ago. There are some articles out there showing that this may indicate some progress in the relationship. Do you read it that way?
2: I think it's interesting that Will and Kate have always posted birthday messages for Archie and Megan and Harry. I think it's interesting and sort of sad that they only had official images. Mm. normally uh, we see behind the scenes images released for birthdays and anniversaries and stuff like that there's a story going around right now that and i i can't i don't know if this is true or not this is more like i'm telling you guys for gossip but that prince charles has only seen archie twice and they didn't have any photos but something interesting in terms of the relationship and how it's being perceived prince charles's official social media account clarence house his household is called clarence house posted a birthday message to archie and did not post birthday messages to Will and Kate's kids, who also had birthdays recently for Louis and then for Charlotte. So it's sort of like, ooh, okay, you really want to make it clear that you're here and active and involved, and even on social media. My biggest thing is they know people are watching social media, and it's the only thing they have. With the Oprah interview, Harry and Meghan were able to counteract the press's narrative because they told their stories, they attached their names to it. Social media is the only way the the official royal family can do that now. So I think they've
0: realized that and they're trying to up their game. You know, well Ellie, thank you so much for joining us today because it truly, it, with this iron grip that they have on the press, it's so hard to know what's real, what's not, what they want us to know, what they don't. So seriously, thank you for helping us. I am I am always
2: here whenever you guys want to talk about the royals. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, let me let me let me plug. I have a newsletter, BuzzFeed News newsletter, The Royalty. Sign up for it for more uh, royal gossip served piping hot.
0: Yes, everyone do that. (laughs) Thank you so much. That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, the super bad era was in fact super
3: bad. Yes, it was. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories.
0: And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily.
3: We've all felt left out, and for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the
1: Ad Council. Hi, I'm Robert Sex-Reese, host of The Dr. Sex-Reese Show, and every episode I listen to
3: people talk about their sex and intimacy issues, and yes, I despise every minute of it. I mean, yeah. she she made mistakes too, right? That's I mean, true. She,
1: she did she, kill everyone at her wedding.
3: But hell is real. We're all trapped here, and there's nothing any of us can do about it. So join me, won't you? Listen to the Doctor Sex Reef Show every Tuesday on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hello, hello. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but my podcast, Checking It, has been nominated for the NAACP Image Award in the category of Outstanding Lifestyle and Self-Help Podcast. I'm grateful for the nomination. I I almost didn't even do a podcast because I was just wondering, there are thousands of podcasts out there and why is my voice needed? But a nomination from the NAACP lets me know that um, I made the right choice. And I encourage you to do. Don't worry if there are thousands of something out that you want to do. No, nobody has your sauce. So listen, you can still vote. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 5th, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please listen to my podcast. We're a part of the Black Effect Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Thank you for checking in.